This is a recording made in the chapel of the open book, and we are still under the covering title, The Finished Work. We have come a long way since we started this, but I want to take you back, because we're in John chapter 1, take you back for a moment to the fact that John takes you back himself in this chapter, in the beginning. Uh, He starts with creation. And then, after the prologue, which we have been looking at down to verse 18, there is a record of four days. Now, why should John, writing for you and me, nearly 2,000 years after the event, why should he have been inspired to tell us that this happened on that day and this happened on the next day? Would you say he did? Yes, he did. And there's more to it than merely the fact that these things happened on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Because, he says, here are four days. And at the climax of those four days, they came to this conclusion, that we have found him, of whom Moses and the prophets did write, Jesus. And you see, Christ was born 4,004. The four days, the thousand years to a day, just finished. And here is the record that they've come to this conclusion. And that is the great conclusion of John's Gospel. He says, I've sorted out all my material and put aside any amount that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. Well, that's where we reached last time. Now the next chapter opens with these words. And the third day, he's still on the point, he doesn't want you to forget that he's giving numbers to these days. Now you know that one of the things that is very characteristic to myself is that I've got a chronic aversion to arithmetic. But even I can add up four and three and make seven of it. Marvellous, isn't it? Here we reach the seventh day in John's opening. He starts straight off his gospel. This is the record. They came to John and said, Are you the Christ? And the next day they said, This one has found him and this one has found him. And Nathaniel says, You are the king of Israel. And he says, You'll see Jacob's ladder repeated in me, angels ascending and descending on the Son of God. And the seventh day there was a wedding a marriage in Cana of Galilee. Now, Christ wasn't the bridegroom. He was just a guest. A guest invited. So was his mother. So was his disciples. So we have now before us, on the seventh day, a marriage. And the emphasis is not upon the bridegroom, but upon the guests. Well, now that's got to occupy most of the time we have, and it passes so quickly. So I want you to turn back for a moment (coughs) to see how... John's Gospel is particularly concerned not with giving you eternal life only, but that there should be gathered out from the highways and the byways those who should be guests at the marriage supper of the Lamb. John is the only one who speaks about the marriage supper. John is the only one who calls him the Lamb. John is the only one who calls him the Word in his Gospel, in his Epistle, and in the Revelation. And if that doesn't make a consistent whole, how else can I emphasize it in two or three minutes? So will you turn back with me to Matthew 22? Here we have a series of parables impinging upon the uh, fact that our Saviour had came, had come, presented himself, uh, but... Um, They rejected him. The previous parable is the parable of the wicked husbandman. 
And that is followed by the parable of the wedding. <coughs> and it says here, in verse 2, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. There was the first invitation. A wedding had been arranged. And even in this country, anyone in high society, to have the uh, whole thing refused would be scandalous, wouldn't it? But in Bible times, for a king to have his son's wedding treated like that, you could understand the attitude. They would not come. Now, the story of the Gospels is this, that they so rejected Christ that had he not prayed, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. We can readily see that they would have been set aside immediately. But he said to his disciples, Now tarry at Jerusalem and go to the very self-same ones that crucified me and give them the invitation all over again. And they did. But they could add now something to it. Peter could now say, All things are now ready. Christ has died and risen again. So we read the next one. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which were bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattenings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. Now, if you're reading the original scriptures instead of the English, you would immediately see this is the word that Paul picks out when he wrote to the Hebrews, How shall we escape if we make light of or neglect so great salvation? They made light of it. And then, not only so, but he says, um, in the next case, um, they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And in this very Gospel of John, he says, you've made my father's house a house of merchandise. That's what they were doing. And he's picking out the very words that were characteristic. And then it says they used his, um, they used his servants despitefully. And the very word occurs in Acts 14.5 when they treated them despitefully. This is a foreshadowing of what took place in the Acts of the Apostles. So the people of Israel had a double invitation that many of them could become guests at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Of course it would be the highest honour of all to be the bride of the Lamb, for they were the overcomers of the book of the Revelation. But it would be certainly a high honour to be guests at that marriage, and they treated it despitefully. Now then, what happens? When the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. And that was an actual historic fact. In AD 70, the armies of Rome encircled Jerusalem, the city was destroyed, the temple was leveled to the ground, the whole thing was burnt, and the salvation of God was sent to the Gentiles. And that's where John comes in. After A.D. 70, John wrote his Gospel. Somewhere we don't quite know exact date, he was a very old man according to the records, about 90 years of age. So there's hope for me, uh, friend. 90 years of age, he was induced to write his Gospel. And he gives certain things here that were never made known elsewhere in the other Gospels, and this is one of them. You see, when you come back to John's Gospel, as you must now for the moment, you will, you will remember, I'll just refresh your memory, that he speaks of the marriage 
Not only are they kinder at Galilee, but he also says that in chapter 3, verse 29, oh, John the Baptist is speaking, I am not the Christ, but that I was sent before him, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, and the friend of the bridegroom which standeth here, uh, heareth him. See, he is the friend of the bridegroom. So there's the friend of the bridegroom. Now, in Matthew 22, uh, well, I'll go back again. Oh, sorry, I turned you so abruptly. I must go back to finish it. It says in this 22, Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, and they which were bidden are not worthy. Paul says, Since you count yourselves unworthy, no, we turn to the Gentiles, Acts 13, not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And John's Gospel is the only message that fits that point. After the destruction of Jerusalem, a message was given that God so loved the world, not merely Israel, not merely the church, not merely individuals, and they were gathered in. And so, if you are preaching John 3.16 today, it's possible that those who believe will enter into everlasting life and will be numbered among those who will receive an invitation to sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Are you going to sniff at that and say, oh, I don't think much of that? That's wonderful enough. And yet we poor outside Gentiles have got something even more wonderful. Beyond any reach that John's Gospel attains, when the Apostle Paul became the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, he revealed then a secret purpose of God which associates the believer today with Christ who is seated at the right hand of God. But that's another story, isn't it? We are taking it step by step. So shall I just spend the next two minutes before we finish in reminding you what we've seen. We have seen in the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and 2, that at the seventh day, God rested and finished his work. Finished his work. And the moment sin came into the world, he started working again, redemptive work. And now Savior said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And in John's Gospel, he said, My meat and my drink is to do the work to is to do the work that he sent me to, and finish his work. And then in John 17, in the great committal prayer, he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And on the cross in John's Gospel, he bowed his head and said, it is finished. So here's a finished work being carried on. And what you want to remember is that it's finished in different stages. The six days creation was a finished thing. Redemption is a 6,000 years and it'll be a finished thing. You see, you see these days that we looked at in John's Gospel. One, two, three, four, to discover that Jesus is the Christ. Then there's a passing over of the present 2,000 and they will impinge on the seventh one. The marriage of the Lamb is come and, her wife, and his wife have made herself ready. Blessed are they who are, uh, who are made guests or invited as guests to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But you see, what's happening is this, that we've still got more in front of us. Although that work is finished, although this work is planned, although that is provided for, there's still much more. So don't say to yourself, well, we've come to the climax, we've come to the end, I shan't go to that meeting anymore. We're only just beginning, friends. These things belong to other people. 
There are some things that we entertain and believe which are so exclusive that some people can hardly believe their eyes and see them in the scriptures. Well, that's our, that's just to be our opportunity when next we meet is to leave some of these aspects and go on to one particular aspect of the outworking of the purpose of the ages that belongs particularly to us Gentiles under the ministry of the Apostle Paul, who is the only Apostle in the New Testament ever called the Apostle of the Gentiles, and under his peculiar title, the Prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And if some of you folks who are listening say, well, what on earth has that got to do with me that he was in prison? Well, I'm only going to quote from John's Gospel, when his disciples said to the Lord something, he says, come and see, because our time is up and we want to keep faith with you all.